Today's episode of GM Street is brought to you by TheRinger.com and all the Ringer.com podcasts. And one of those podcasts is One Shining Podcast, hosted by myself and Mark Titus. We are talking about everything college basketball, everything NCAA tournament, maybe a little NIT. And we are also brought to you by TheRinger.com, the website. And Mark Titus is a man that writes for that website. He wrote a big piece on Virginia this week. He's going to be doing instant reactions after the first couple of days of the tournament. Uh, if I can convince him to, hopefully he will. Um, and this has been all the plugs. And today on GM Street, we're going to talk about Kirk Cousins, all the new quarterbacks that have moved to new teams, and also pouring one out for Mike Lombardi, living his lifelong dream of meeting Al Pacino. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Wednesday. It is not Monday. We are sorry. We are back. Today is the first official day of free agency in the NFL. But what, what have we learned? It's basically over, Mike Lombardi. The new league year started, Tate Frazier, and free agency begins. And we finally took those two days that people have the right to negotiate. But they, legal tampering. Legal tampering, which, which was going on at the Combine. <laughs> yes. you know, that was illegal tampering going on. Uh-huh. You know, Now they legal tamper, and, and guys were doing deals. I mean, typically people were waiting until Wednesday, but so essentially the market's been cleared out. But I, that's really not the big story today. Mm-hmm. The big story today is my man Tate Frazier is in a room with Bill Simmons and Al Pacino. Like, can you get and any bigger? Barry Levinson. Barry Levinson was in yes, there too? Yes, also. The, the director like, of You uh, can't Paterno. get any bigger. Like, I am humbly <laughs> sitting across from you. Like, really, you're in there with Michael Corleone? I mean, think about that now. Yeah, he was. He probably remembers me as much as he remembers Fredo uh, at the end of the movie. Um, I, I think he did not even give me a bat an eye. He said hello when he walked in the room. He was hello. very kind. Yeah, hello, good to see you. <laughs> Life is a game of inches, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, he was great. They were so funny. That that podcast comes out in a couple of weeks. People need to listen to that. Al Pacino, he's the man. He's still That's as cool as awesome. ever. He that said he awesome. forgot everything from the 70s. He said he doesn't remember anything from the 70s, which I like. Do you remember anything from the 70s? Yeah, I do. I mean, that was my era. I mean, disco. <laughs> I hated disco. I mean, it's like the worst time in the world. Well, I mean, Al Pacino like loved my, discos. My fat ass and disco <laughs> never went together. I mean, you know, like, like you know, those Jordache jeans, uh-huh. you know, like, I need, I need like, husky, you know, like, like none of I, that. I understand. Like, Travolta jumping off the Verrazano Bridge. Nah, that was like, I was born in the wrong time. Like, I just got, that was all horrible. But, I mean, I was so proud of you, Tate Frazier, man. You're just like George Jefferson. You're moving on up here. I'm trying to. I'm that's, trying that's to. Really good but and let, you we should say also that you saw mr pacino i did pacino, i did michael corleone a man that you idolized and you yelled to him and you said i'm excited for I'm your new film i'm looking forward to the movie yes. uh, you know he's doing that movie with joe paterno. about joe paterno yeah. which would be fascinating to see uh how they actually handle that movie mm-hmm. um and so you know look he's a hero of mine i mean i you know i ran i told you i said this on the podcast i ran i ran into james Kahn. i you know i still think he's santino oh yeah actually i wanted to name my one of my kids santino and of course millie nixed that in a hurry but other than that <laughs> <laughs> no, everything was going. Grandchild, Santino, yeah. the grandchild. Yeah, you know, I got a chance. I don't know if my daughter-in-law to go for that, but I, I really don't have. A, I don't have many votes. I can't carry any of the Southern primary. <laughs> well, at maybe all. if Al Pacino calls in and, and puts in a good word for that. But them, I maybe. was jacked. I mean, you know, I was jacked. Look, I was really proud of you. I really sitting up there. Like I would have liked to have, like, you know, how you know Jimmy Kimmel did the Man Show mm-hmm. and he had the and, and Sal and him would be talking to that little kid when he was walking around talking to girls all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I could have been like in your ear, like ask him about this or ask him about that. But, I actually, I actually need that sometimes because sometimes. I'm just overwhelmed by the fact that you know Al Pacino's there. You're trying to stay professional, and try not to say. It's got to be your all time, right? Al Pacino in the room. I mean, is it yeah. better than Charlene Thurzon? <laughs> <laughs> where, where are you ranking this one? 
I, uh, that's awesome. I would say Kurt Russell was probably still up there. Kurt I, Russell, really? And, and it was just because of the way he behaved uh, and the way he went about the whole thing. I mean, and Al Pacino was the same way. They're just so laid back and cool. They don't have any people with them. You know, they just show up, come in. Barry Levinson's his friend. It's like two guys coming in. Did you in ask Barry Levinson talk. about Diner at all? Like, that's one of the great movies we, of all time. Yeah, we were asking him about, uh, I mean, we pretty much were just like, tell a story. You know, he's talking about Rain Man a lot. You know, talking about Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman in that movie and how, you know, Dustin ended up winning the Oscar for that movie, but Tom Cruise carried the movie. Al Pacino was excited to hear stories about Tom Cruise and Rain Man, you know, so you get those kind of conversations. Nice. It's great. Well, let's talk about football. Yeah. Let's talk about the richest man yeah, in the NFL. Yeah. Kirk People Cousins. are cheering now that we got into football talk. Uh, yeah, first day of free agency, and you talked about guys signing deals and, and finding new homes. Probably the biggest name, the one we've talked about, and the the match. This is a match made in heaven, really. Right. Uh, yeah. Kirk Cousins goes to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, Minnesota needs a quarterback. Minnesota has three quarterbacks on their team. They don't sign any of the three. They take Kirk Cousins back. And look, this was always going to come down to Minnesota. I think the Jets were strong players in it. The Jets probably had a better deal on the table mm-hmm. uh, than Minnesota did in terms of total dollars. Uh, the guarantee, which everybody's kind of getting hung up on a little bit because he got the first three years of his contract guaranteed. Look, let's face it. You're going to sign a franchise quarterback. The first three years of a rookie contract are mostly guaranteed. So, you know, we're in a new era of football. And the cap's up in the hundred high 170s. Getting this guaranteed is no big deal. You're not going to cut the guy. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't go through all this to cut him after after a year or two. You got to make the full investment. But I think really what happened was once the combine happened, and I know this reliably, once Denver found out what this structure was going to be. Denver Denver basically took their chips and went home. They, you know, they, they couldn't deal with that. That was way too much guaranteed for Denver. And Denver went into the Case Keenum market. This one really came down to the two teams, and he picked the team that I think will probably serve him best in the sense that they the expectations are going to be great for him, playing in a dome with a good defensive team, with a defensive head coach, pretty good situation for him. And you talk about expectations, we should say uh, the Vegas odds on Super Bowl for next year. I think uh, the Vikings were 12-1. to 1. Kirk Cousins signs with the Vikings. They get down to 8-1, to 1, so right. they become more of a favorite. More expectations, obviously, there with Kirk Cousins. You also mentioned Case Keenum. Case Keenum goes and signs a two-year deal for $36 million with the Broncos. Uh, it's sort of a lighter deal. don't have to do with the guaranteed money with, with well, the Well, but they, he got $25 million guaranteed, so mm-hmm. they basically put a two-year investment in him. Remember now, Gary Kubiak is really involved with the Broncos now, and he was the guy. He was in Houston when they drafted Case Keenum, or he was part of that. So he was there. So he knows the and developed Schaub, obviously. And so I think he feels like, hey, look, we can go somewhere. I I really think the fascinating thing about those two signings, Minnesota's not going to draft a quarterback. We know that. The Jets, you know, they signed Teddy Bridgewater, mm-hmm. pay him five million. They re-signed Josh McCown, pay him ten. I think the Jets are still in play for quarterback. The Browns are still in play for quarterback, even though they got Tyrod Taylor, which to me is really a fascinating thing. Tyrod Taylor going to the Browns and everybody's, oh, he's better. He's a good replacement. Tyrod Taylor's never played in a dropback offense. Like Tyrod Taylor's always been in the Denver system of offense. When he was with the Ravens, he didn't play. Mm-hmm. Went to Buffalo. They try to use a lot of that that motion and get him out on the edge, the outside zone, the stretch play. It's going to be interesting to see how Tyrod Taylor plays in Cleveland if he actually be, w- wins the starting job if they don't draft a guy. So that being said, I still think the quarterbacks in college are so much in play here because – these teams, and Denver might be the only team that might go all in on Keenum and not pick a quarterback. And so we're talking about the Jets and the Browns, two teams that are trying to find their franchise guys, but they have these stopgap gap quarterbacks. We saw McCown last year with the Jets. He decides to come back, and now we have $10 million ty- gets you back in a hurry. And that's a good move yeah. for the Jets, because here's why it's a good move for the Jets. McCown doesn't need reps. Mm-hmm. Like, you need a guy, when you're going to have, the, what people don't understand, it's a mathematical problem with quarterbacks. You can't give reps to every single player. 
Okay, you can only give certain amount of reps, and McCowan doesn't need a lot of reps. He's played enough to where he can get by on a limited amount of reps, and actually less reps is better for him. Whereas Bridgewater is going to need a lot of reps, and if they draft a guy, he's going to need a lot of reps. So there's going to have to be a lot of management of numbers at the Jets camp, and you can't just have three guys that need all the reps. Then it becomes a real problem. And they were in that situation last year when they had the Petty and Hackenberg and all yeah. these young guys, and they were trying to find. You them can't spots. develop anybody. It, it, it's it, you know what happens is Tate Frazier is what Bill Parcells calls a progress stopper. Is when you have guys that need reps that aren't going anywhere. Bryce Petty, mm-hmm. good good kid, all that, but he wasn't going to go anywhere. Hackenberg, that's the thing we didn't talk about the last podcast. This comedy about this guy who's trying to claim that he fixed Hackenberg. From the offseason. What's his name? George Whitfield? No, no, Whitfield. Oh. We haven't heard from Whitfield. So he might be on America's Most I mean, He I might be the real DB. I mean, Whitfield, we haven't heard from Whitfield in forever. He hasn't yeah. saved anybody in a yeah. while. Where's that broom? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But this now there's another guy claiming at the combine that he fixed Hackenberg. Mm-hmm. So, like, how could you fix Hackenberg? He hasn't played a game since the end of the season. Like, where is he fixing him? Uh, for Madden 17? Maybe. That'd be nice. I mean, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and then, you know, it makes you crazy. People actually write it. People believe it. You know, Hackenberg got fixed. I, don't, I, I think that people believe in Hackenberg so much because of that freshman year at Penn State. And, and it's, he's never going to live back up to that hype for whatever it was. You know, it was almost like he became Johnny Football. You know, people yeah. remember some pastime of how great hit Christian Hackenberg was at this one time at Penn State. And they still want him to come back to that. So I, everyone still buys back into the story. But uh, I don't think it's going to work out. Yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, like Hackenberg. Okay, so they are the Jets. He's there. Mm-hmm. If, if the Jets give him any reps, they're going to be making. They're taking. He's a progress stopper, and this is what you really have to get away from. You can't have guys that get in the way of a guy's development. You've given Hackenberg time to develop. That's enough, right? It's time for him to go somewhere else and try to get. He can't take reps away, good reps, quality reps away from players that you're trying to develop, or else progress gets stopped. Well, then let's talk about Cleveland. Then, so we get rid of Kaiser. Kaiser's right. out. So Kaiser now, Soso. Kaiser Soso. He he's now found a new home, right, with the Packers. Which I think is the best thing for Kaiser Soso. I mean, look, I, I, I've talked to a lot of people in the league about him, and this kid was really, really conflicted. I mean, Hugh was killing this kid. All you know, Hugh is the greatest. You know, he had a P- few press conferences where he basically blamed Kaiser for the P. loss. P.T. Barnum. Mm-hmm. He could sell anything, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and so K- uh, K- uh, Kaiser's calling people up saying, hey, I need help. I, I, the best thing that happened to Kaiser was getting traded out of Cleveland. Go to go watch Aaron Rodgers for a couple years, see how he plays, see how he works, learn the game, and come back that way and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just want to talk about a, a stopgap quarterback and talking about taking, taking reps from someone. So Tyrod comes in. We've obviously seen him with the Bills. We've, we've seen what he, do, he can do as a starting quarterback. But now he's in this new system. So he's going to take reps, right? Right. So he's going to take reps away from whoever they... they, they well, they got to draft a guy. There's no way so they're if not... So they, they take Barkley or Darnold or whoever it is, if they, if they take someone at the top of the draft, whether it's running back quarterback at the one and four spots... They take spots. Rosen or take Mayfield. I mean, they're mm-hmm. going to take a quarterback. They have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, the one thing that the biggest fallacy of all time was... Okay, we remember we, we talked about this on GM Street when Jimmy Haslam... Hugh Jackson and A.J. McCarron had that summit down in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. right? Well, now there's a new sheriff in town. His name's John Dorsey. And John Dorsey basically told Hugh Jackson, I'm not interested in signing A.J. McCarron, okay? I'm not. We're out. We're not doing that. So that's why McCarron's not in Cleveland right now. Because remember, they're going to give up a two and a three for him. Mm-hmm. And Sashi screwed up the trade, thankfully, for the Browns. So they're out of that. They signed Tyrod Taylor. They got to pay him, I think, Whatever I think it's fourteen million or sixteen million something like that for a salary. So that's where they got they got to draft a guy. They got to put a guy in there to play 
and you're not going to get the guy at the top of the second, so they're going to have to pick a guy in the first round. And you talk about the McCarran situation. We know Hugh was in love with him. It's probably had a little bit to do with him thinking he's a winner you know, from his Alabama days and having a little bit of name recognition and bringing him to Cleveland. But now there's rumors that McCarran may be the potential backup for Brady. Well, right yeah. in New England. Yeah, like it makes sense too. Look, McCarron can go there. He can get. You got Brian Hoyer there that knows the system. They're gonna have to teach McCarron the system. Mm-hmm. Saban and Belichick are friends. McCarron's got. You know, obviously he's got some things going for him. Yep. And they need a quarterback to work with, and they're going to be picking out the bottom of the first round. Will they get a quarterback in this year's draft? I think the really the reality for New England is: do they sign McCarron, or is there somebody that they think is better in the draft? I think it would be a, a smart move to sign McCarron. I'm not saying McCarron is going to be the starter. I'm not ready to go with Hugh Jackson on that one. But to me, it's a worthwhile investment that you at least can and and you can at least fill that need, you know, where you know you still need one, but at least you have a guy you're trying to develop and pretty soon you'll be able to tell. And Hoyer's not going to take away reps from you. No, Hoyer's not going to take away reps and Brady's not going to take away reps. You know, Brady does. I mean, how many times can Brady? It's a great time, you know, it's like when we were in Cleveland with Belichick the first time and we went out to practice and and we weren't, we were like, it was a 93 and we weren't any good. And, you know, like one day I, it was like late in the season and Belichick gave Todd Philcox, the kid from Syracuse, mm-hmm. who was not a very good player, but he ended up winning a, get a couple games for us in a backup role until he hurt his thumb. He started giving him a bunch of reps. And after practice, I went over to Belichick and I'm like, Bill, you know, geez, why Philcox? Is there something wrong with Kozar? He said, look, how many more Y options is he going to throw? Like this kid needs to get some reps. Like at some point, like how many more throws does Brady really need to make during OTAs and minicamp? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. he's got to get ready for the season. At that point, he almost is wasting throws, you know? Ex- like yeah. He's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like how much more does he really need, you mm-hmm. know? And so I think that's why they can get McCarron. They got a lot of reps to give out to him. And yeah. I think that would help him. And it would save him a draft pick if they did. Because really, there's no other. Who are you going to sign? You know, I mean, Chase Daniels. This is remarkable. Tate Frazier, Chase Daniels hasn't. I think he's thrown like four passes since 2013. He said that he's been the backup for Drew Brees and he sponsored. Uh, this is yeah. the greatest thing about the NFL. This mm-hmm. is what you learn about the NFL when you're in it. People, the fans don't realize this. If you get sponsored, okay, like Kellen Moore in Dallas was sponsored by Scott Lenahan. No business being in the NFL, but he had sponsorship from Lenahan, so he plays. And then like. Uh, when you look at uh, Chase Daniels, he's sponsored by all those guys in Kansas City. So now, you know, he's made all this money, and if he has to play, he can't play. But he's got sponsorship. <laughs> it's the greatest thing of all to get. What's the greatest ship to be on? Scholarship? Well, in the NFL, the greatest ship to be on is sponsorship. That's a good one. That's a go. good line. I need to write that one down. You uh, should. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's not as good as Al Pacino stuff, but I'm going to try to keep going here. <laughs> You're doing a good job. Uh, let's talk about Arizona. So they get Sam Bradford, another guy that was in Minnesota before. Um, the the We talked about the Vikings leading into free agency, and we had these three quarterbacks, and there were so many different domino effects. If this happens, this means this will happen. We thought Bridgewater may stay, but then he, now all three of those guys are gone, and right. Bradford gets probably, you know, I would say it's a pretty great deal. One year, twenty million dollar contract. We saw, one. we saw Cutler get one year, ten million last year, when people thought that was wild. But one year, twenty million to go to Arizona for Bradford. I mean, he has a great agent. Uh, no, I, this is what I call. There's like there should be like a section of free agency where it's called the Clay Davis section. You remember mm-hmm. Clay Davis from <laughs> The Wire? You know, I'll take anybody's money if they're giving it away. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that <laughs> Sam Bradford's in that Clay Davis column. Okay. Sammy Watkins is in that. Cl- Sammy Watkins at 16 million is the biggest joke of all time. Like Sammy Watkins at 16 million. If you're Gronk mm-hmm. and Sammy Watkins is making 16 million, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're doubling me on every play. You know, Sammy Watkins 16 million. I don't give a shit if he plays tight end and I, I play tight end. And he plays receiver. That Clay Davis category. That's where that one is. Sam Bradford's in that Clay Davis. He'd take anybody's money, and it's proven. 
And it's been a good job. I mean, he's done a great Mike job. Mike Lennon's with it. in yeah. there too. He'll take anybody's money. He's giving it away, right? Yeah, well, they're living the dream. They are living the dream. Yeah. I mean, you can't, if somebody wants to give it to you. And here's the thing I think it's fascinating about Arizona. People say, well, you know, they're trying to fill their need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's the thing is, is there's a difference between between fitting a need and filling a need. Mm-hmm. Like they're fitting a need. They, they have two names on their blackboard under their depth chart. You know, when you're a, when you're a general manager in the league, in your office is the depth chart of the team. And so whenever you sign a player, you put his tag up there. You really don't fill that need. If the guy's no good, you can't fill the need. Look, I don't think Bradford can fill the need. We know he's got bone on bone. Yep. We know he couldn't play all year for Minnesota, even though they wanted him to play. Played a great opening day. That was the last time we saw him. Like, he got $20 million. Like, how desperate must you be to sign Sam Bradford when you know deep down in your heart he can't stay healthy? I don't know, but you have twenty. You have twenty million dollars to spare. So uh, that'll imagine what Clay Davis would do with this group. Uh, he'd he have would, a great time. I mean, he took Stringer Bell's money. He'll take all these people's yeah, money. I know he needs to go down to Arizona because twenty wow. million dollars. We can do a lot with that. Um, I want to talk about the Saints a little bit too. So we got Drew Brees. There was a, even talk at one time between us where maybe Drew Brees, you know, gets out of town in New Orleans and goes somewhere else and tries to chase a ring with the defense. Maybe Minnesota was a, was an option at one point. Um, he decides to stay home, stay in New Orleans with Sean Payton, and keep things going there. Um, obviously, this is a huge deal, and yeah. it. it means that Breeze and Brady are sort of on the it's same one, track. It's a one-year deal. So, look, here's what happens. So, sometimes, you know, you get to a situation where you know a player doesn't want to move. Mm-hmm. And a player doesn't ever want you to think he wants to move. And when players tell you that all they want to do is stay at the team and this is the most important thing and you can't get a deal done, then it becomes a little bit of a PR thing. Like, they're saying that for the public, but they're trying to get a deal. And Tom Condon, who represents Drew Breeze, he's got to be worried about where Kirk Cousins' deal is. So the Saints started getting frustrated because the Saints are like, look, we need an answer. We need a deal because if you don't want to take – they offered him $50 million for two. They weren't getting an answer. Like, we're going to give you $50 million for two. We'll guarantee the first year. The second year will be an option. If you want to play, here it is. But we need to know because, you know, this is getting ridiculous here because we – if not, we'll sign Bridgewater or we'll sign some other, t- some other quarterback. We need to move on. We'll draft Baker Mayfield. We'll do whatever it is. And I think that's what happened there. They finally had a push come to shove because it was getting really a little hairy. I think Monday night in New Orleans, it, when it, before it finally got done, it was getting tensious down there because they were concerned about will he ever actually do the deal. Is, is he just posturing? Because Condon's got a rep too. He's got to – I mean, just hypothetically say – Kirk Cousins comes in at thirty-two million, mm-hmm. and you take a two-year deal at twenty-five. You look like a fool, right? You can't do that. So he's trying to figure out where it is. And look, I think Breeze is good for them. It's a good fit for them. He comes back, they get what they want, and they could still move on. But don't ever forget, Breeze. One of the reasons why they've been strong a little bit cap-wise is Breeze has taken the money. I mean, Breeze is like Peyton Manning. There's no discount with Breeze. I mean, Brady gives them a discount. That's why they're able to do what they do. There ain't no discount with Breeze. And how much you know conversation and communication is there between Sean Payton and Drew Breeze during those times where you know, they're waiting on agent to come? You're not allowed to talk to the player. To come, okay. you, know, to yeah, yeah. you can't talk to the player. Even the, the legal tampering period? Even the legal tampering. You're not allowed to talk to the player. Like, the player's not allowed to talk to him. Now, when you're recruiting a player for free agency, that's different. Oh, you can. Okay. That, that's, that's where I got confused. I saw that, coaches that, reaching that, out to guys. Yeah, yeah, that's when you can start doing it. But you're not allowed, like, you're not allowed to talk to your own player. Like, you can't call, like, Belichick can't call Brady on the phone and, like, okay, let's go over some stuff. You can't do that. And how much, I mean, are people toe that line? It just seems crazy to me to go from a, a relationship where you're 100% all in or you're talking all the time to, oh, wait a second, we can't talk to each other because negotiations. You know are being what's had. really even crazier? Here's what drives me crazy. Okay, Aaron Norvell. Well, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Aaron mm-hmm. Norvell, the offensive guard from mm-hmm. the Carolina, mm-hmm. undrafted out of Ohio State. 
The make, Giants were huge on him, wanted to Giants, get him. Everybody wanted him, right? Mm-hmm. Made a huge contract. Mm-hmm. Okay, Chris Hubbard, undrafted out of Alabama State or Alabama A&M, one of those, got a really good contract. What drives me crazy is, is the system is so screwed up in terms of player development, that offensive lineman, that, and because the rules are so bad that the union's really missing the boat here. If the union would allow teams to really basically have a farm system of offensive and defensive linemen, like these in house, in house, mm-hmm. where you could start in February, and you could work with them, and you could develop them. I mean, we did it with Orlando Brown, we did it with Wally Williams, we did it with Gene, we did it with a bunch of guys in Cleveland. They've done it in New England over and over again, where you can really spend time developing them. These guys can make astronomical amounts of money, but because the rules are so stringent upon, you can't take a guy into the indoor facility to work him out in February. You have to wait till the OTA days in April. It's killing the players it's killing the team but it's killing the players in the pocketbook because guys are they're always going to be guys misdrafted like Aaron Norvell got all that money like nobody would have taken him in after like he didn't get drafted after seven rounds Chris mm-hmm. Hubbard didn't get drafted after it took time right the development like like to me I've always said this like these teams with all this money like the, the Redskins which are just to me completely misrun but the Redskins they got so much money. Like you would think they would take $5 million and say, okay, we're going to set up a complete player development program and develop players. And yet they don't do it. And yet they end up, and yet they'll end up spending for Norvell and these other guys and they have no, and it doesn't bother them. Thanks, Dan Snyder. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and uh, get into the smartest move of the week. Hey guys, I'm Mark Titus. And I'm Tate Frazier. And we are the hosts of One Shining Podcast. It is March. Check your calendars. It's true. We're here to talk about all things college basketball. If you like FBI investigations, if you like teams that are on the bubble and think they belong in, even though they have like 16 losses, come check out One Shining Podcast. If you like buzzer beaters, Buzz Williams, being buzz, watching basketball, those are all three things you can do and you can listen to us. We're going to talk about everything that happens in the NCAA tournament. It's going to be great. We're going to be here all month. Please subscribe to One Shining Podcast. Check all of our stuff out. Tate has done some very disgusting things for money in the past, yes. and he he is desperate more to for come. more subscribers mm-hmm. so he doesn't have to return to his old life. So please, please, please subscribe to our pod. Check us out. We're having a lot of fun this March. Uh, you can get us wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I, I'm a Google Play guy. Google Play doesn't get enough love when people do this. And Spotify. People and are Spotify. on Spotify now, so. so go check it out. All right, we're back. This is the ZipRecruiter Smartest Move of the week. The Philadelphia Eagles, one of our favorite teams on this program. Yes. We, we talk so I'm highly so about them we all the time. At the parade, Tate Frazier. I know. We didn't get any invites. Uh, no one said so anything to us. Uh, we, You watch the Philadelphia 76ers all the time. You support Philadelphia at all costs. Last night, I watched them last night. They got out tough last night. Indiana is like way tougher than they are. Indiana wore the Hickory uniforms last night. I just like it was hard. I think it's a little unfair, though. I will say this. When, the Hickory, when they wear the Hickory uniforms and they're on the road, I think you have to wear those at home. I just—it's too much that they bring to the building and those uniforms. It's just like they have the huger spirit in them. They kicked their them. ass last yeah, night. Yeah, like Jimmy Chitwood's got the jump shot going. I yeah. mean, they kicked their ass. They were way too physical for them. <laughs> Oladipo didn't even have a good night, and they kicked their ass. But anyway, go on. This is not a basketball podcast. Yeah, so. this is a, a football podcast, and the smartest move of the week goes to the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, that is because they have made. Some big splashy moves. Michael Bennett comes to mind. Uh, they they bring on the defensive end from the the Seattle Seahawks to come in. They get Nigel Bradham back. Um, they have Kendricks obviously coming back. They, they got the they whole get their de- core into place. Yeah, and, yeah. and then you know then they add Haloti Nada, mm-hmm. who's a really disruptive player who they can rest and kind of feed into their system. I think to me what I've always believed in is you build strength upon strength. And this is an Al Davis thing. Al Davis hated the idea that if you had two twenty game winners in baseball pitchers and you lacked hitting 
you would take a 20-game winner and pitcher and trade him for a hitter. He thought that was the dumbest thing of all time because your strength was pitching. And now you're weak in both areas. Yeah, Braves at the 90s. Right. Okay, so to me, what his answer was, build on strength. Mm -hmm. Strengthen the strength. And that's where the Eagles have done that. And that's what's fascinating to me. Like, the Rams are taking the approach different. The Rams trade Robert Quinn Mm -hmm. to Miami. Ogletree. Ogletree. They get rid of some of their front seven guys, and they're they're going to try to cover with Tlaib and and Marcus Peters. And, like, who's going to – they're going to have to find a way to rush passers, right? And so, like, to me, the Eagles lessened it. The blueprint's right out there. The Eagles' offensive – the defensive line was why they won. Not not their secondary. Their best player is Malcolm Jenkins in the secondary. They lost Patrick Robinson to the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. He went back to the Saints again. But the reality of it here is you build on strength. And I think that's what the Eagles just did. They built on their strength. They got a, a not – whether he can stay healthy or not, that remains to be seen. Whether Michael Bennett's got any juice left. You know, he's offsides about 18 times during the – once a game at least probably. Mm-hmm. But he can play – both he can play either end. He can play either nickel tackle. Not he can play nickel tackle, or he can play base tackle. He can play the run, and there's a lot of lot more depth in the scene. They lose Bo Allen, replace him with Nada. They lose they'll lose Vinnie Curry if he won't take a pay cut. They replace him with Bennett. So I think they've done a really good job so far at, at being a very difficult spot. Yep, sounds like the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. The employer is pretty happy with their new employees. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was the smartest move of the week. And that was brought to you by ZipRecruiter. 80% of employees who post on ZipRecruiter find a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Try it free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, we're back. We're going to talk about Buffalo a little bit. So I like uh, Buffalo. I like what they're doing. I've been liking what they've been doing for a while. You've been on Sean McDermott. You like what they've uh, – they brought in a whole new core. They've tried to change the culture in the building. We know that's what McDermott's all about. They lose Tyrod Taylor, their starting quarterback from last year. They, they trade him for three. They I mean, trade like, him, yeah. I mean, people are talking about well, Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland gave up a third-round pick for this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot to give up for the guy now. You know, I don't see it with Tyrod Taylor. I don't. I mean, look, they, they were a quarterback away from – they made the playoffs, but it wasn't because Tyrod was so good. So I, I think Buffalo's now, they've got the ammunition. Like I said, I, I tweeted, they're like Frank Pantangeli. I mean, they, they've got the muscle now. They can go take them out. They can move up into the draft. They can get the quarterback that they want. They don't really have a quarterback on the team. We know Nate Peterman, by the way. That's the way the Sixers were turning the ball <laughs> over yesterday, like Nate Peterman. Like, they don't have a quarterback on their team that can actually play. They're going to have to fix that. But for the most part, I think Buffalo's headed in the right direction. They, they signed Star Tui, a good defensive tackle. Kyle Williams comes back. They signed Trent Murphy, mm-hmm. a defensive end who's, got, who's going to get suspended for the first four games but could rush the passer and play in their scheme. I like Buffalo. Uh, let's go to another AFC East team because it seems like a little bit of tide is turning in that division. We know the Patriots have have dominated for so long, and they're, they're losing some guys, as, as we know. Yeah. Nate Solder going to the Giants is probably the biggest yeah, one. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, I think, look, Nate Solder's a really good player, but the, the, the Patriots have cap integrity. Like, there's no way the Patriots are going to play pay Nate Solder more than Tom Brady. They're mm-hmm. just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have too much cap. There's no way they're going to pay Danny Amendola more than Julian Edelman. They have too much cap integrity to the players that are already there. And I think the Patriots have been prepared for a long time knowing that they weren't going to sign Nate Solder back. They, when I was there, we tried. It, it really, we couldn't come to an agreement. But for the most part, you know, you had to know this was going to come down the road. Is Nate Solder a good player? Yeah, he is a good player. Is he a great player? If you watch the Super Bowl 51, 
and you watch Dwight Freeney kick his butt, you would say no. If you watch some other games, I thought he played well in the Super Bowl this year. But he has his moments where he's up and down, and I think he's very – he's an average left tackle. Does he help New York? Yeah, absolutely. Did they have to overpay for him? Yeah, I think they probably did. And that offensive line in New York, we know with Eli, has been pretty bad the past few seasons, so getting Solder there will probably help Eli it, out a little It will bit. help. I mean, to me, Solder's a better investment than Andrew Norvell because he's a mm-hmm. guard, where at least you get a left tackle. Now maybe you can move Eric Flowers over to right tackle and give him a chance and see what he can do over there. But that eagle, that that, that offensive line's got you know. Look, you got to block the Eagles, right? So you got to figure out. You're, you're Dave Gettleman. You're sitting in your office. You got to block this front. I mean, that's a hard thing. Even though you gained a lot of yards against them, you still got to block that front consistently. And let's go down south to Miami. So, uh, oh, my favorite team, <laughs> your the, favorite team, and your favorite the player. bombs. Yes, they've been on the move. Or the, the discussions for him to be on the move for have been. Uh, we few took and far so between, much crap <laughs> as they told because us. Because Jarvis Landry, yeah. I mean, you know how many people called me an idiot for suggesting that they would tra- he's got to sign an extension mm-hmm. everybody loves Jarvis Landry there's no way like like at some point like you know he's a slot receiver and they're yeah, going to trade him I, I know but what happens is people don't want to hear the truth like mm-hmm. like that's an overpayment you pay 16 million for a slot receiver who averages under 10 yards a catch I mean come on Tate Frazier it's like it it's like paying J. I was gonna say it's like paying JJ Redick twenty three million for one year, but I mean it's a little bit like that, right? I thought you were gonna let me pound the table and say you can't handle the truth. I can't handle the truth. The Miami fans can't handle the truth. Look, I mean they're trying to rebuild their whole locker. I mean if it's if it's not obvious they're trying to rebuild their locker. I don't know what there is. Like they're jettisoning guys out of their left and right. Well, they brought in one guy, Danny Amendola, a right. guy that's won a few Super Bowls and great uh, kid. Yeah, great kid. And we this is sort of like the West Welker treatment. You know, you go to another team in the AFC East after you leave the Patriots. Right. Sort of how they do things. Uh, Amendola, can he help? Can he come in and do yeah, something? Yeah, I, in the I locker think the, there? the concern you have for Danny is can he stay healthy? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he played 16 games last year, went inside, made a lot of catches for them. He'll give them some leadership. Look, they redid Tannehill's deal, which is going to make it hard to cut. The, but they bought cap room from Tannehill. It's going to be hard to cut Tannehill next year because it's going to be a cap hit they're gonna they cut sue which is going to be funded into next year's deal so this cap situation in miami is a classic mike tannenbaum it's going to be all over the place and it's going to have to be massaged and you mentioned sue so now we're in the situation where indomitian sue you know for for all that has gone wrong with indomitian sue on the field with some of the the incidents that he's had he's also been a dominating force when he decides to be in the interior of yeah. the defensive line for the dolphins now he's gone now he's looking for a new home dallas is a team that's been thrown out there to help them yeah, in the i mean interior. i would think that, you know look the, the the joneses are you know they've been known to buy, buy quality whether they'll be interested you know there's some people tell me they are uh, they're away they're on vacation some of the joneses are on vacation to the middle <laughs> free agency i think they're in the bahamas with jimmy buffett singing mm-hmm. songs mm-hmm. but uh for the most part i think they'll they'll look sue is everybody in the league knows sue's talented right yes and everybody in the league knows sue's about the dollar it's not about sue's a true mercenary he'll fight for the army that's going to pay him the most Mm -hmm. and if you can get him to go at a high speed you know you got yourself one great player there's no denying that there's no denying He, he requires double teams he plays hard you know does he love to win is winning the most important thing i think it's his checkbook that matters the most and he's made a lot of money and he's been good at it so I think Seattle could be a team interested in him if they're willing to spend the money. I think the Jets could be a team. They got a ton of cap room. Cleveland's got a ton of cap room. I think Sue's going to make out like a bandit being a free agent again. And what? But what does that contract look like for Sue? Because before it was this guy is the the best defensive lineman, the best interior defensive lineman in the in the uh, entire gonna get, NFL. He's going to get double. He's going to get paid again. He's going to get paid again. I mean, I, I, I he's not going to take it. He's not going to take a <laughs> discounted deal. You know, like 
like I could see, you know, like okay, take a discounted deal. You know, Jim Schwartz was with them in Detroit. Will he go to Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. I'm sure Howie Roseman sitting in his office, like, how do I get Sue on this team? Like, how do I figure that one out? You know, like that, like he could be a missing piece to a lot of teams. Not that he would, the Eagles won a Super Bowl, but I mean, you certainly have to think about it. Well, could he go to New England? Well, he would screw up their salary cap. So mm-hmm. would he go there? I don't know. Maybe they would try to do something like that. I doubt it, but you know, you never know. But could they do one of those Alshon Jeffrey deals where we do the the one year twenty seven million or the one year fifty million if Sue, you know, whatever it is? I mean, could they you do could, something like that? You, could, you know, you could do it, and if you if you can get you can get him to bite on it. Yeah, I mean, I think if he likes the situation, if he likes the city, I think if he's comfortable with the people around him, I think that's going to make a huge difference. I'll, I want to talk about one guy also that got a, a big contract or a bigger contract than people expected, uh, just based off name recognition uh you saw him in the playoffs Jarek mckinnon for the minnesota vikings wow. he was in a bidding war and uh, the 49ers really like him and they ended up paying him 30 million dollars um and now he's in the top 10 and running backs uh, paid yeah. in, in the nfl now which is i think that was a little unexpe- unexpected when he entered free yeah because remember when dalvin cook got hurt everybody said well the the, the vikings are screwed they got no uh-huh. running back and then mckinnon who kind of hadn't done a whole lot went in there and his numbers really haven't been to and most level. people expected latavius to be yeah the guy. i i i really th- i like Deion lewis better than mckinnon i think the 49ers did you know Kyle had Deion Lewis in Cleveland cut him so mm-hmm. I think there's a kind of an issue there uh, but and Dion went to the Titans Dion's went to the Titans and mm-hmm. it, look the Titans thank God for the Patriots scouting right the Titans take Logan Ryan <laughs> like, yeah, last but, year but, yeah, Malcolm Butler, Butler yeah they're just like we'll just take all the Patriots but defectors. if you're Mike Vrabel look you need guys that understand the culture you're trying to develop and mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to bring guys in like that, that if you're going to pay them that's yeah. seen it so but getting back to uh McKinnon. But getting back to McKinnon, I mean, look, the guy who's the running back for the 49ers is going to run the outside zone, and he's going to be a loose play player, and he pass protects well. And I think with Jimmy Garoppolo in there, it gives them a guy that can run those that runs, plus he'll run inside. I think it's overpaid because the Jets really want – the Jets wanted him as well, but the Jets weren't going to overpay him, and he got overpaid. All yep. it takes is two teams to compete for you. It's like Tremaine Johnson. I mean, he got it. I'll tell you the most – I'll tell you the other one that belongs in the Clay, Clay, Clay Davis category is, is, is Moncrief. I mean, mm-hmm. Moncrief got nine million to go to Jacksonville. Like, really? Like, really? He's worth nine million a year. But you know, he had a couple teams going after him, and he got it. So, God, God bless him. It's great. And they got sixty-five million to Norvell, who we mentioned earlier. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're, Jacksonville. They're, they're be, they're be, I mean, they're. They're, just, They're paying everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some receiver contracts, too. Um, Allen Robinson goes to the Bears. I uh, like that signing. I mean, I, I, yep. look, the Bears are going to have to give up on Kevin White. I don't think he's any good. And I think they pretty much have kind of built a team that he's going to be excluded. But if Allen Robinson's healthy, I thought he was the best receiver. I think I really do. I think the Bears have added some nice pieces. Trey Burton's a guy who's really an F receiver. This is the hard position for scouts to get, is to understand what a true F is, what a true Y is, and what an inside slot receiver. Okay, like Eric Ebron's a first-round pick. Eric Ebron at your school, North Carolina, never lined up a tight end. He played receiver. Mm-hmm. Okay? So he's a slot receiver. He's no different than Marcus Colston. He's no different than Anchor Quan Bolden. That's the same position they all play. He doesn't have enough quickness to win in there, and so it becomes harder. When he lines up a tight end, that's the better matchup, but he can't block well enough. He can't really get into the route. Where Burton is truly a, an inside slot receiver. So when Jordan Matthews got hurt a year ago, he goes in and plays. It gives them an inside slot receiver, i.e. Kelsey. That's kind of what they want to do. They want to duplicate the Kansas City offense, and I think that's what they did. And Burton, we know uh, the Philly special made the pass. He's got some extra skills in case you need that. Um, Eric Ebron, you mentioned him. He was released from the Dolph- or from the uh, Lions today. Um, I mean, he'll get he'll get people yeah, go after people him. People will go after him. Yeah. Sure, they will, but not at eight million or what was going to be the number for mm-hmm. him. 
And I think, look, you got to know what you're getting. You're getting an inside slot receiver. You're getting a guy that has to, he's not a tight end. Like, no, when he comes on the field, nobody's worried about you running it inside or running the power play or running off tackle. Like, they're not worried about that. And that's where tight ends really, there's Y tight ends, there's F tight ends, and there's big slot receivers. And you got to put those in the right category. And that's what you have to utilize. And you have to d- define it. Burton's a slot receiver. Ebron's a slot receiver. If you want a slot receiver, then you sign him. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about another guy, Sammy Watkins. Uh, we, we're not really sure what Sammy Watkins is at this point, but he got a big deal from the Chiefs, three years, $48 million. Hey, look, the Rams are all over. The Rams were in. I mean, I know Sean McVay was calling all over. He was trying to keep him. I mean, look, they gave up a second-round pick for the guy. They wanted to keep the guy. Mm-hmm. but I think And I think Kansas City put all their chips in the middle of the table. They want another outside receiver to go to see what he can do. Because Pat Mahomes, he throws the long ball better than anyone else. Yeah. That's what we've heard. Never but, seen it. <laughs> I know it's so good. It's all perception. I know. It's amazing. It's I, so I saw good. it on ESPN. They they talked about Pat Mahomes as like he was Aaron Rodgers. It's unbelievable. Hey, he hasn't won a game, you know. It's like, hey, don't let the facts get in the way of a story. We know that. I mean, you know. It's been I mean, crazy. Been, we've been quoted as saying stuff yeah. on here. It's like poor Alex Smith. I mean, he sees all this stuff. He's like, they never talked about me, and I threw real touchdowns. Yeah, try to block. How about that offensive line <laughs> giving him enough time to throw it down? Sammy Watkins, to me, is an intriguing player. And a lot of it goes back to our boy Ferris Bueller, Odell Beckham. He got picked in front of Beckham, so mm. he's got this mystique attached to him. And it's like you go to Princeton, you have to be smart. You go to, you know, it's like since he's always been there, people think, well, he's just really. And when I watch him, I don't see him run very many routes. He's not really good at the top of the route. He doesn't really, he didn't look like he was in great shape last year. It looks sluggish. 16 million like if i'm gronk like i said earlier if i'm gronk i know i don't play the same position but i impact the game way more than he does but what does this mean for gronk right it doesn't mean anything because we've labeled everybody by position this is where gronk's hard to officiate because he's so big and he's hard to pay because he's different than everybody else because when he's on the field he's a playmaker in that 16 million you know that's i mean you let's face it if sammy Watkins is worth 16 million we think gronk's worth 30 exactly. <laughs> like more than a quarterback at yeah, this point yeah you, you, you know i mean al pacino would agree with that yeah absolutely yeah uh let's talk about o, obj uh ferris bueller he's another receiver so you so throw all that aside what gronk would think obj is actually a receiver he wants to be one of the highest paid players right. in football. evans got paid right yep. mike evans got big contract he mm-hmm. sees 16 so you know o, o, beckham's gonna think he's gonna get 20 22 20, 20 i mean he's gonna get quarterback money mm-hmm like, is that possible? Can that work out? Can get them and do well, that and get away with it? Well, I th- I think the Giants have made it very clear with that they are they believe in Eli. They mm-hmm. don't want to draft a quarterback. They think Eli's got three more years. They're rebuilding this team. This is not it. They're reloading this team. It's not a rebuild. That they think that they can structure this team around, and I think they'll pay Odell. For me, if they were really building the team the right way, I think it would be time to move Odell. I mean, you trade them, get get a bunch of picks for him. And what is his value on the you know on the free market? I mean, if they if they put it out there, that they want to trade OBJ. That does that devalue him to no, other teams? No, no, no. I don't think it does. I mean, I, I think they you know, look, I, I, he's certainly going to get more than a four and a seventh. I mean, Tannenbaum goes ahead and franchises Jarvis Landry. Like this is some brilliant move and trades him to trades him to Cleveland. And really, and at the end of the day, when it's all when the things are all summed up, he picked up a seventh round pick. He had to create sixty. He had to create the cap room to do it. To me, Beckham's going to get you know a lot of picks. And 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 the receivers are hard to judge. If these receivers are making this kind of money. Wouldn't you give up two number ones for Beckham if you knew you were going to get them? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, sure you would. So yeah. why not ask for it? I mean, you could rebuild your whole team. And I don't care what anybody tells me. The teams win in the league around 
you know, when you could draft receivers in the middle of the rounds and do that. I mean, it's not like you've got to have this guy has to be the first pick in the draft. I mean, Allen Robinson wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can find receivers if you know how to pick them. Absolutely. Uh, I want to talk about some guys that are signing as backups in certain places. We talked about the Saints earlier. Tom Savage is uh, signing to be to be a backup for, for Drew Brees in New Orleans. Um, Savage, we, we've seen him a lot. You know, Rutgers guy. We know Rutgers all about guy. him. <laughs> yeah. um, pick guy as well. Uh, is that a good signing for the Saints? Uh, it's just yeah, good to have I, a look, backup, I, if obviously. I'm Tom Savage to go to run, work on that offense, I think it's got to be really good for him because he can watch Drew Brees. He can kind of get away from knowing that he's going to be the starter and he can learn. I mean, Sean Payton is one of the best offensive coaches in football and he's one of the best quarterback coaches. Now, what I think you got to be careful of is what if they try to trade up to get Baker Mayfield? That's the that's the that's the interesting thing in this whole draft. Buffalo coming up to get Mayfield. Do they want Josh Rosen? Who do they want? They want Sam Darnold. You know, are the Jets going to pick Mayfield? Do they want Lamar? Who do they want? I think all that's going to tie in. Because if you're Arizona, if you're if you're Steve Kime, do you really think you've solved your quarterback situation with Bradford and Glennon? No, you're going to have to draft one too, right? Of course, but the the thing that I think is interesting about all these backups being these veteran guys like Simeon, they the Vikings just traded for Trevor Simeon to bring him in. Are they taking reps from these from these young guys no, that come to me, in? No, Simeon's in the perfect role, mm-hmm. right? Simeon's perfect. He's a backup quarterback. His body can't allow himself to be a starter. He's perfect, and it's a great trade for Minnesota because if Cousins misses two or three weeks, Simeon will come in and play really yeah, well. Yeah, it's fine. We've seen him in short sense. He can do, do it. it. Yeah. yeah, but he can't do it if he takes a bunch of pounding. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great trade for Minnesota. You know, Minnesota gets a backup quarterback, mm-hmm. and you know, look, you don't have to spend any money. It's a cheap contract too. Don't ever forget that. Now, I mean, they, you know, so now they've got the hot one of the highest paid players and one of the lowest paid players they got a seventh round pick and and the top of the it really works out for your cap another person i want to ask you about uh and we've sort of gotten away we're talking about sue early i should have brought it up then but tyron matthew now is out and about you know he's trying to find a new home i mean people have sort of undervalued his role i mean i know he's had a lot of injury issues we remember all the injuries i don't think he's the same guy he once was you know Mm -hmm. and i think you know what he used to do so well he used to attack the pocket you know he could play on three levels so when you're evaluating secondary people you got to evaluate him on all three levels can he attack the pocket level one can he play in the box level two can he play in the deep third level three and 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 the honey badger could play in all three levels and I think lately since he's had that injury I haven't seen him play with the same burst and the same explosion that's what concerns you Jordy Nelson's the same way I mean Jordy Nelson from the injury and people can say well Green Bay's offense last year was bad yeah it was the year before with Rodgers he wasn't the same guy you know, the other guy's not the same guy, but he's getting by with it because Jerry won't do anything about it. It's Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. Des Bryant doesn't separate from anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, he's paying him $16 million. Everybody says, well, he's Des Bryant. You know, he's a great player. Well, now that's Sammy Watkins' money, so, it'll, you know, I guess I mean, I guess argue. he's a bargain. <laughs> I guess he's a bargain. You know, actually, I'd rather have Des than Sammy, but, I mean, I'm talking on both sides of my mouth now. Should be about 25 for Des uh, if we're going by the Sammy Watkins standard. Um Two guys, two uh, veteran guys. One guy has decided to step away from football, a name that we all know and we all have felt for. Yeah. Um, probably one of the best players to have to – and had one of the worst careers as far as – 48 wins, Joe Thomas. Yeah, Joe in Thomas. In his career, 48 yeah. wins. He, he, people have said that he may go down as one of the best and the greatest offensive linemen played of all well. time. You know, when I was there, he played well. He was – you know, he's a, he was – practiced, he played – you know, uh, and I think probably, you know, you know, it's probably the best move for him. He's still healthy. He goes out, you know, and I mean, it's had to be a grind from 48, 48 wins over his career. That's all he's had. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's tough on you. And now that's a huge hole for Cleveland. Now, I know Cleveland signed Hubbard, whether he plays left tackle or not. They signed Dwight Stevenson from Kansas City, who was by way of Denver. Dorsey had him in Kansas City. That's not going to be the answer. We've seen how that's worked out in both towns. So I think Cleveland still needs a left tackle. 
I want to ask a little, this is a little aside. I, I see all these guys, and I saw it with the Giants when they, they make the sign of Nate Solder. We still talk about the left side, the left tackle, and about There's the no blind left. side. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know we've talked about it on the podcast before, but I think it needs to be reiterated again on this podcast, and I'll give you the stage for this. But it, it's not the same that it used to be. People were still talking in the terms of the blind side being what it was when Lawrence Taylor was coming right. around the corner. And well, that's because most people, were, most teams were, back in that day were right-handed. So the tight end went to the right side of the formation. And nobody really opened up the formation. So the tackles really weren't on edges. The tight end was always over with the tackle. Mm-hmm. And the left tackle was on an island, correct? So now people open up both formations. Or people open up both sides. And so now left tackle and right tackle. And now what people are doing a better job of is evaluating your offensive line. So what, what Philly wants to do is Philly wants to put their best rusher against your worst lineman. And mm-hmm. they want to rush five guys. Because when you rush five, somebody's blocking one-on-one. And if you have five really good rushers, five guys that can rush, somebody's going to break down in the offensive line. They can't, I mean, they can't do it. So this right and left tackle thing is a little bit misleading because if your right tackle stinks, you know, and he can't handle it, you're going to put your best rusher over there. Like, why waste him over here? Move him over, get the matchup you want. It's basketball. Put the guy over Mm -hmm. him and make him go that way. So. Yeah, I think tackles are tackles. They're not right or left. Yeah, For me. I, just, I just had to say that because it's, are. it's all over. Everyone's talking about it as if uh, you got to have your left tackle to be successful now, in the NFL. You can cheat you it. You have to have a tackle. You got to have a tackle. So now, you know, I'm sure what the Giants are saying to themselves is, okay, look, we'll put Solder at left tackle. We don't have to really help them, although they will. Mm-hmm. They'll find that out now. They will have to help them a little bit against certain guys, especially guys that power that the turn speed to power. Solder has trouble with those guys. The right tackle, they can help with chips and do all that stuff. But remember, they got tight ends that they want to get in the route. So it's kind of hard to do that. It's hard to balance that all the time. Ingram is not a blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. He wants to get into a route. So they got to kind of coordinate all that and we'll see how it works out. But no, you got to have two tackles. You can't be tackle poor in the NFL. If you're tackle poor in the NFL, you're probably not going to win. That is very true. Um, and also the second guy I was bringing up when I brought up Joe Thomas, Julius Peppers. Uh, a lot of people I mean, thought that he was going right? to step away and go, you know, and get, and get ride the coattails out and go to Canton soon, just like Joe Thomas is doing. But he's decided to come back. He's opted back in with the Panthers. I, I, I love it. And I, you know, the other guy I hope signs with somebody's Frank Gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nobody I like more, watching more than Frank Gore. Frank Gore is a, a class guy, works hard, teammate, uh, wants to win, and football is important to him, just like Julius Peppers. I mean, I think that's a good move for him. I mean, and, and they take care of their bodies. And look, I think the young the example here is if you take care of your body and you're a young player, you got a chance to extend your career. You got a chance to have a second earning power like Muhammad Wilkerson okay he signs this huge deal with the Jets and then he basically doesn't do anything and everybody now says well he's going to Green Bay and he'll turn his career around I can't believe Green Bay got Muhammad did anybody watch Muhammad Wilkerson play last year Mm. like he was horrible Mm. like he was bad like he took the money and ran I mean he basically he he pulled Omar he he like left town and now he's only signed with Green Bay because the guy that was responsible for drafting him at the Jets, Mike Pettin, mm-hmm. is the defense coordinator. And Pettin's probably telling everybody how amazing he is because he saw him at the start of it. I mean, right. And Pettin's telling everybody, yeah. I'll get him to play better. I'll mm-hmm. get him to play better. I'll get him to play better. And when you start doing that, it don't work. And as soon as Wilkerson left, that was pretty much the end of the the Rex Ryan era of drafting guys yeah. where they drafted these DNs every single year right. to come in. And, yeah, and they and really didn't hit on him. I mean, look, you know, and we're still waiting for Sheldon Richardson to sign. I don't know if he signed while we're doing this podcast, but he's another guy who's going to be out there. And now Sue is in that same market. See, if I was Sheldon Richardson, I would have taken a deal before Sue signed. I would have kind of closed that up because I want to go Especially somewhere. Especially if there's a team like the Cowboys or something where right. you're going to go in a situation. If somebody will take me – the Cowboys were interested in, in Richardson last year. They tried they, – they made offers for him. No, they didn't work out. But 
I think that's what I would have done, but obviously he didn't. Mm-hmm. One last thing before we get out of here, we want to clear this up. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, Twitter. We we, oh, we were both man. on Twitter, and uh, there was a big thing that came out uh, about you talking about um, uh, humanitarian work. Basically, we were talking about Josh Rosen, and the context of the conversation was Josh Rosen was trying to get ahead of stories saying that he didn't like football. And uh, a lot of stuff coming out of the combine was, here's why Josh Rosen does love football. So the whole context of the conversation was, you know, that it was based on this. So, you know, he's trying to get ahead of a story. We're talking about the story. And then it gets pulled out that uh, a direct quote using, you know, quotations was tweeted out by uh, a guy, Dave Zirin. And, and uh, he says that you, you said he had to choose between humanitarian work and football as if he had these two choices in life and, you know, there's two roads and there's a fork in the road and he has to choose one or the other. Um, it was not that serious. That was not the context of the conversation. Luckily, we quickly got on top of it. I uh, transcribed the actual quote. I sent it over. He, you know, tweeted out a retraction for the whole thing. But J.J. Watt picked it up. It gained a lot of steam. It, it, people were comparing it I mean, to the shut up and did, dribble thing. First, first take, take did a whole thing. And, ap- and first take apologized to me for mm-hmm. doing that. I mean, First Take actually called and apologized because they knew they were wrong. And I appreciate them for doing that because they took a, a fake story and turned it into a real one. And it's funny because this is where we are with Homeland. You watching Homeland this year? No, I'm not. But but I, this I, is where Homeland me. is. It's really about information information warfare. Mm-hmm. It's about fake news. It's about how to, how to change the perception, perception of opinions. people based yep. on what you'd put on Twitter. And, and instead of stopping and asking, is that true? People are reacting to it because we're in this instant age of just react. And I think it's really wrong. And I mean, the guy apologized, but he even misquoted me in the apology. You know, and he calls himself a news journalist. Like he never reached out or tried to get behind it. Uh, to me, look, you can do whatever you want. Like, like, you know, like, like to, to end this podcast in a Godfather reference, like, like Vito told, uh, it doesn't make any difference how a man makes a living. You have to, when he told Virgil Salazzo mm-hmm. that, it doesn't make any difference how a man makes a living. I don't care how he makes a living, but to me, you got to at least stand on it. I make mistakes. I own them. You make mistakes. You own them. But to me, like when you know and you can listen to the podcast and you mm-hmm. misquote it, that to me is wrong. Or when you're another source that's out there and this has been put out there, you know, and I'm not pointing fingers, but if you're J.J. Watt and this has been said, maybe listen to it. Maybe make sure yeah, like, before, like, you, before you and, make and like, big statements. I don't even know if J.J. Watt retracted it. Like, I, he doesn't follow me. I don't follow him. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't know if he does or not. To me, it's not the point. Like, I, I, I respect that guy. I respect what he's done. I respect what he did for the city. I respect everything about J.J. Watt. Like, for me, I was making a point about something that completely different than that. And the whole idea was they were trying the the they were trying to use this as to to propagate and to to have another larger conversation with you as the crux of it. But that that's not what we're doing here. GM Street, we're a podcast. It's all about football. We're, we're talking about evaluating time. football yes. players. And the thing that drives me crazy is is I was sharing with you mm-hmm. what people were telling me yes. about what their experience. You were not was giving it. your real. You were not giving opinions. You were giving what you hear, and it was all in the context of how does Josh Rosen get over this made up thing that he doesn't love football? Right. And then we moved on from there. Um, and that's what GM Street's about. That's and we're going we con- to continue doing this. Wednesdays will be when we record now uh, college basketball. I'm sorry, Michael Lombardi. I'm not going to be it, around Dave as much. I love it, I love it. One Shining Pod's doing great. I love that. I'm happy for you. And this is a great time of the year. I don't know why you're not in Vegas. I went to Vegas one year during March Madness. It was the best time. Kyle's uh, clapping. He wants us to go to Vegas. I mean, I don't like to me that was one of the greatest times. Mick's my my son Mick mm-hmm. was graduating from college. All his buddies, Corey and Doc Boy and John, all these guys, <laughs> right? They were all there for like the weekend. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And I was with Hank Greenberg, the, the wow. ESPN guy. Yeah. 
didn't have any of them right. We couldn't get one right. We were <laughs> we were mushing the whole thing. We were mushing the whole thing. But it was great. It was fun. Are you in any of these like uh, survivor pools? Or I have no like idea that? about college basketball. Okay. I have no Good. idea. I, I have no idea. I'm like, where's Tom Crean going to get a job? That's the only thing I care about. Uh, Penn State, there's been some rumors about that. I mean, Georgia, there were some talks. Pretty much every job that opens up, you know, Tom Crean is thrown into the mix. I really wanted it to be UConn, but uh, it seems like UConn wants Dan Hurley. Uh, Stores sense, Connecticut yeah. wants Dan Dan Hurley to go there. So I, I, yeah, I, I hope Tom gets one. I think he, you know, and I hope he it's deserves not, one. I hope it's not a remember when school. You know what remember when schools are? Uh, what he had at Indiana. Yeah, remember when? Remember mm-hmm. when we were great? And this mm-hmm. is why we we're great. You know, we used legal pads back in the day, so let's keep using legal pads. Yes. You know, that's a remember when school. You yeah, can't Holy have Cross. those. Yeah, there's a bunch of schools. Oh, like that. Yeah, remember when? <laughs> remember when? Uh, remember when this podcast was on Mondays? Now it's on Wednesdays. <laughs> there you go, Tate uh, Frazier. That's why you're a great host. This has been GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, and we will be back next Wednesday. Thank you. <laughs>